Welcome to the Cross the Line Podcast. My name is Carlos Smith, and today's episode is sponsored by Charlene's Home Cooking on 1136 East Blackstock Road in Moore, South Carolina. Charlene's Home Cooking is a family restaurant that cooks like grandma with fresh veggies, meats cooked to order. You can do a meat with two sides, a meat with three sides, or a veggie plate, along with sweet tea, Kool-Aid, and lemonade. Cakes, pies, cobbler are also available for dessert. She wants you to feel at home anytime you visit, so make sure you stop by Monday, Thursday, and Saturday from 11 to 6, and Friday and Sunday from 11 to 7. Everything is fresh and from the heart, and she would love to see you sometime. So thank you again, Ms. Charlene, for being a sponsor for this episode. And today... We have the honor and privilege of having some two gentlemen right here. We're, we're missing one right now, but that's fine. Um, these gentlemen are entrepreneurs to the fullest extent. Um, it's an honor and privilege to be here with them today. And right now we have Mr. Ali Muhammad and Mr. Malik Saleh. How are you gentlemen doing? Fine. How are you Great. doing today? Doing wonderful. Thank you. It's, like we were saying, it was an honor and a privilege to have you gentlemen on. Um, like I was saying, I'll tell you off camera, I actually sit at home and I do a lot of research. Um, I try to put a lot of time and effort into these interviews. So I did some research and saw an article on you gentlemen on uh, blackbusiness.org. So I wanted to reach out and Mr. Ali, you um, gave me a phone call back and it was an honor and a privilege to be here with you gentlemen today. So that's just to give everybody a, <clears throat> an understanding of how this interview came about. So starting out with a uh, true laundry detergent. When did this business actually start? Uh, well, first, I'd like to thank you and your partner for coming down to interview. Yes, sir. It's going on about seven years now. Okay. We started right here in Atlanta. Started out with a container like mm-hmm. this. We sold a tractor trailer load of it. That gave us a lot of confidence because we sold it as a product that would save you money. And a product that's good for your environment, and good for the machine, and health product. Yes, sir. And we sold it as a guaranteed product, and it gave us a lot of energy because no one bought the product back. We know we had a good product, mm-hmm. a primary product, and because we sold it to not only African-American people, but we sold it to the European people. Even some Mexican people bought it, African people bought it. So we knew then that we was in to a great opportunity to not only help ourselves, but help other people too. So how much research did it take to have the actual chemicals and everything, the product that you had to put in it? How did, how did you guys come up with the, the, everything that you had to put into it? Well, we, we are not uh, chemists. Okay. We are people who marketing Mm-hmm. The business side of it. Yes, sir. The chemists uh, been into this industry for over thirty some years. When and when he created this product, he all he was working with Dow Chemical before mm-hmm. he came on his own. So he blessed us with a powerful formula. Uh, he made a product for Dow Chemical in Greenville, South Carolina, similar to the formula that we have here. They did over a million and a half in one year on it. The name of the product was Y-E-S. Yes. Okay. That's right. That's awesome. And um, so what actually made you gentlemen want to do laundry detergent instead of something else? What was like, let's do laundry detergent out of all of the products? Well, we have been in the business world for some time. Mm -hmm. 
I started out on my own in 1968 in the world for over 30 some years. Mm -hmm. And Raheem been doing his own business too. Okay, we uh, we knew that it was a product that everybody is a need, and you need to wash your clothes. Absolutely. So that's when I came to Malik with the idea. Uh, Raheem seen it first, and we came together and went to the scientists who made it, and it started out like an idea, mm -hmm. and then we took it and sold it all over America and be doing a little business outside of America. Mm -hmm. How did uh, how did you three gentlemen actually end up meeting? Well, it was um, like a time has come. It was a, a law of attraction. Mm -hmm. um, I met Malik since I came here from Newark, New Jersey. And Malik used to live in Newark. Malik knew me from a food business. I ran a fast food business mm -hmm. in New Jersey. And uh, Malik was running business here. I did a little business here too since I've been here. I did some real estate. Mm -hmm. So when I came to Malik, he already knew me. And we jailed together real good. And um, we it's that's the hardest part, but African-American people is coming together. Absolutely. Okay, that's why we mm -hmm. having so many problems in our family and community now. We, we haven't been able to cut the difference and merge mm -hmm. like other ethnic groups. So when we merged together, all three of us, uh, we've been through some up and downs uh, getting this off the ground. We, we don't tell people that we have a ride 100%. We still struggle, but, and we had setbacks, but we learned from the setbacks and kept going. Mm -hmm. And I believe we have... That's brother, my other partner, Raheem. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Let's, let's, let's take a quick break and get Mr. Raheem in. We'll be right back. This is Cross Line Podcast. Stay tuned. All right. Welcome back to the Cross Line Podcast. We, are, we had to allow Mr. Uh, Raheem to come in. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you for having us. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's like I tell those gentlemen, it's an honor and privilege to um, have you gentlemen on. And he was kind of giving us a background of the story and how <clears throat> how you gentlemen ended up meeting and, and bringing this business about. But I just want to know from from all all three of you, how how was black business back in your time coming up? Well, my my time coming up, I, I grew up in an environment where we had. In Amsterdam, Alabama, where we had all, all our businesses were African American owned businesses because mm -hmm. we had to shop with each other. Then. Mm -hmm. We couldn't go on the other side of town and shop. We had to shop with each other. So uh, to me, it was better for us then than it is now mm -hmm. because we spent our money with other people before we spent it with ourselves. Yes, sir. Mr. Raheem. And I mean, Mr. Ali. Would you want to add anything to it? How, how was it for you growing up? Well, growing up for me, uh, there was a store across, there was a store in our neighborhood that was a, one was European owned and one was African American owned. And my father always told us, he's told us to make sure that we go in our store first. If we didn't find it in our store first, then go to the Europeans. Mm -hmm. So I grew up in a brown man, always shopping with black people. Mm -hmm. Or similar uh, coming up, we didn't have that many black business. We had one doctor. Came up in the rural area mm -hmm. coming from North Carolina. Um, and lawyer, doctors, small grocery stores, items like that. We, economic wasn't big for us in that time. 
I was telling you earlier, um, I saw Killer Mike, um, I love Killer Mike, and he's pro-black, you know, he, he supports black businesses. And um, I actually saw him do an interview, he was kind of saying, and to a certain extent, that desegregation was kind of one of the things that kind of hurt the black community because, like you were saying, keeping the, the money, the black dollar in our communities, now it's going everywhere. Do you gentlemen agree with sort of what Killer Mike was saying about the desegregation and money going out of our own communities? Well, nine out of 10 businesses in our community are owned by someone else other than ourselves, so that lets you know right there that the money is going out. Because mm -hmm. it's natural for somebody to take the money home when they make it. Yes, sir. Right. Uh, that's a true statement because uh, we we had a letdown when we integrated with the European people mm -hmm. in the economic letdown. Like, say, we did academic with the college and studying in the schools and setting in restaurants. But when it comes to building our own, uh, we we dropped the ball. Mm -hmm. It's like a man playing football and he, he caught the pass and he was able to get away from the defense and ran, keep on running. But he dropped the ball before he got in the end zone. Right, absolutely. So by dropping the ball, it don't count. And the ball now is land and business. So you'll find a trend African-American people is coming back to buy land from the South. Mm -hmm. okay, a lot of us had land farm. We lost all that. So we are coming back and we have to buy land now to plant food and build houses. Mm -hmm. uh, also, you got you gentlemen, a couple of you were in the Vietnam War. Something I was interested in knowing was, you know, even going back to like the Civil War, like blacks were treated differently than uh, the other soldiers, even in our own country. How, how was it for you gentlemen when you actually came back home from, from Vietnam? Did y'all, was it a different treatment for you gentlemen? Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was dark time. When mm -hmm. I say dark time, uh, we suffer from racism and poverty, mm -hmm. okay? And we still do, but we had racism in the jungles of Vietnam. Yeah. That's a bad feeling, you're fighting for your country Really, it was fighting to stay alive, and you, some of us had to hate the European and we fought against them in the jungles of Vietnam. Mm -hmm. That's not a good feeling. Then you came back to America. We saw some of us saved European from being killed. We went and dragged them out of the rice paddies up on the line of fire. Then after you get back here, some of them same people look down on you. So that was a difficult time for man who fought for his country and standing in harm with and they still treat you like you wasn't nothing. Mm -hmm. Did it make you feel like it was even kind of, I hate to say worth it, but it's like, man, like you were saying, like you go fight over there for our rights and then you come back home and the treatment is, is just as bad. Um, did it, to you, was it, did, did you ever have a thought in your mind where it was like, man, I'm doing all this, is it even worth fighting for you people? You don't even know what I've had to go through. And I come home and I'm getting the same kind of treatment. No, the war wasn't uh, balanced. Dr. King, Markham, all the great ones spoke on that. Mm -hmm. uh, we give our life in all the wars, the black man. Absolutely. Go back to the wars that come from spot. But not that we, we got anything from it. Mm -hmm. No, no. That's why you had a lot of uh, crime and a lot of drugs went on from African-American people. 
They couldn't handle the trauma coming back and still was mistreated. Even when Muhammad Ali won the Olympic and got the gold, he couldn't eat in the restaurant right mm -hmm. in downtown Louisville. He right. took the metal off his neck and threw it in the water. So we've been through difficult times. That was hell. But we had to study and understand what hellfire meant. Hellfire meant that you've been purified, though. You don't take a dark time, all of us. You don't have to go to Vietnam and was up on the hellfire of the European man, with the KKK, with all the racism and the hate, trauma. So we, we took it and learned from it, mm -hmm. to not to uh, let that destroy us. Yes, and then one thing we did learn, that the Creator was with us all the time, Absolutely. to make it from us place like that. So then when we come back here, we already knew too, the creators did us. Absolutely. Ain't too many people gonna stop us. So that's why we kept moving. Yes, sir. And didn't punch a clock for no one. Absolutely. Couldn't see myself giving up my time and my energy. Yes, sir. And, that, and that's something we, we, we talk about our time, you know, trying to be in control of our time and, and ownership. Um, how, how do you, how do you feel, how do you gentlemen view ownership? Because you just spoke on it like you wanted to be in control of your time. Do, do you feel like we should push entrepreneurship more or, or what made you gentlemen not realize, what was it that made you realize that we're not going to punch a clock? We just want to be our independent and create our own and be our own bosses. Well, I have to say when I, uh, when I, uh, I had my, my, my vision was, I had a different vision. When I came out of school, I was going to get a, a briefcase and work on Wall Street. That's all. That's what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. But the reality set in, it didn't happen. So then I said, okay, well, I can't work where I want to work. So now I got to create something for myself. So I actually worked one job since I been out of school, and I decided that I could do it on my own. So I decided to uh, be an entrepreneur. So after a lot of little odd jobs, I, I said, I decided that I'm going to do this myself. And it takes a lot of courage to be an entrepreneur Absolutely. because you know it's not a guaranteed paycheck every week. You can work a job, you know, you do the forty hours, thirty hours, you know, they're gonna have a check for you on Friday or Monday. But when you go out there on your own, you get it yourself. Absolutely. But also, give you once you make your first sale, you never stop. Yes, sir. Well, for for me, um, my father was in business for himself. And that was an influence on me. And then coming into, uh, um, I only had like six jobs in my life. Mm. And um, most of those was when I was a teenager. I probably had two when I was an adult. You know, then I went in business for myself. Like we were saying, it's something that you have to have the courage to, you have to have the courage to do it. You have to feel like uh, if a bird can fly out every day and come back and feed the small birds, then as a human being, you have the power to do the same thing and more. Yeah. So you have to look at it like that. And then you ask the question, should we push entrepreneurship more? And I say we should because if nine out of 10 businesses in our community are owned by someone else, then we have to we have to get into ownership of business to make that change. And then they hire their own people. When you Absolutely. go in the store and you see that the owner the only going to happen somebody to look like him. Mm -hmm. So it's going to help us with employment and everything else that we need. And then it's going to keep that money circulating in our community. Do you, do you gentlemen feel like back in the day that you gentlemen 
as opposed to the day that you stuck together more today because it was like you y'all were all you had, as opposed to the day that you feel like you stuck our community stuck more together back then as opposed to now. Well, um in my environment, we all been conditioned from our family life. Mm -hmm. uh, in coming up, my granddaddy and the older men, they stood together in my time. Mm -hmm. Okay, even the KKK didn't come in my area because they were fighting. Yes, sir. They didn't mind dying. Back then, I saw them. And I know, I seen other brothers I knew from other areas that the KKK would come in there in the daytime and drag a man out and beat him down. And they come in the little area that I grew up in. Mm -hmm. And there was farmers, and they built their own home. And if a brother had a bad crop, they all would help support one another in the time I came up. Wasn't no doctor there, so every time a baby was born, my great-grandmother was the one who delivered the baby. Mm -hmm. And my grandmother on my mom's side, she was the doctor. We took herbs. Couldn't mm -hmm. run to the doctor if you broke your toe or something like that. They mm -hmm. didn't care of that. Unless it was close to death. So I saw unity in my family, and I saw strength. They wasn't going to just lay down and let the European man come in and take what they had. My granddaddy was a man that taught all of his children, and uh, uh, he taught his daughter-in-law how to shoot because mm. he lived way off the mean strip, and sometimes snakes or whatever come. And he, they had, I had an aunt and cousin, all of them would shoot, and then somebody would try to take your stuff. Mm -hmm. So I came up in a unit, and then I'll be like Muhammad. He opened the doors for a lot of us, too. It's like sure. Marcus Garvey and some of the other great ones, Madison C. Walker. These were yes, great sir. leaders in the black community. The one from Alabama, what's his name? They opened up all the places by him. Crazy Gaston. Gaston and all of them. Those were like people that God sent because we had need of, mm -hmm. uh, we needed a savior. We needed some help. Yes, okay, sir. so we did receive help. I want, I'm go. Oh, go ahead. Uh, I want to just say this right here. I think. Uh, you know that we have back even some generations prior to you know us uh, being young, right, and then our teenage years and all that. That we have more, we had more unity then than and, and less money, and now we have more money and less unity. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a sad. And that's thing. a real. That's a sad thing, right? Because if we had the unity and we put our money together, right, we could solve a lot of our problems. What, what do you think caused this? Uh, lack of unity that you see today? I would think um, integration had one of, the, mm -hmm. one of the main parts of that. And now I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that we don't have unity today, but I see a, a resurgence of unity in the African American community. Mm -hmm. For the last three years, mm -hmm. there's been a resurgence of people putting their minds back together and getting back together. So even though we had that little uh, area of uh, time of a lapse in uh, disunity, but right now I see brothers and sisters coming back together mm -hmm. again. So I, see, I don't see nothing but great times for African Americans. Yes, sir. Yeah. And I think I think the the, the, the the politics that's going on now is is more helping us than it's hurting us. It's mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it's making us look at ourselves and saying that we have to unify mm -hmm. to make things better for ourselves, right? At, uh, we can get help on the creative, but we got to help ourselves first. Absolutely. And do you think, I want 
I'm not gonna say it's a good thing, but President Trump being in office, do you feel like that was kind of like our rallying call because of some of the things that he's saying that is that's so divisive? And of course, racism always existed, and it was kind of like hidden for a while. But now, with him in office, it's like more open. Now people are more blatantly open and saying whatever's on their mind. Do you feel like with him being in office now? To a certain extent, it seems like black people, like you said, are kind of rising up and sticking together because of him being in office and some of the things that he, he's been spewing that's very divisive. Well, I, I just think this right here, I think that what's going on in the society now is is bringing us, uh, bringing us together. Mm-hmm. It's, saying, it's saying to us that we need to look out for ourselves and we need to unify and look out for generations coming after us. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, it's a good unifying force because God will always put someone, uh, we may think someone is bad, and God has another plan, that plan to put more unity within the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And they have their plan, and we have to have our plan. Yes, sir. And a lot of a lot of the talk now is um, I'm hearing a lot of politicians saying, reparations. And one thing, one of the things that bothers me about reparations is I feel like the politicians are saying it because all the other ones are saying it. I don't feel like they're necessarily genuine with it because in the past, a lot of, a lot of them didn't really talk about reparations. But now that it's something that's being brought to the front, forefront, a lot of them now are saying reparations. They believe in reparations. How do you generally feel about reparations? Well, what I, what I feel about it is this, right? I think that I don't think money, uh, somebody giving you money and I wouldn't call it reparation. Mm-hmm. I think that you have to have a body of knowledge that's going to change the conditions that that cause you that cause you the problems when you went through slavery. So if you get a body of knowledge that's going to help you change your habits and change your conditions, right? That's the real reparation right there. Because mm-hmm. if God gave me, uh, if, if they gave us all money now, right, and we spend it like we spend it, would just now, go back out of our community. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, that's 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 simple. What it is, we are people that don't love ourselves. See, when you don't love yourself, you can't be yourself, and you can't love no one else. But because we don't know who we are, mm-hmm. even in the 21st century, that's what's going on. We haven't arrived yet. We're in the process of really being America. We haven't become America yet, mm-hmm. even though we spend more money than anybody in America. We don't have the knowledge of money. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to pull the resources together. We can't deal together. We play basketball, we play cards, we play know we do all a lot together, but we don't do like the Koreans and the Chinese here in America. They come here and recognize that this is a capitalistic society and they merge. Absolutely. They cut the difference. Mm-hmm. You see? And then, then they grow and leave their daughter in charge and their son in charge and their son and daughter don't have to worry about money. Like our kids go to college and come back broke and got a lot of bills. Absolutely. Okay? Education is not the answer. You got too many people in the street. It's dirt homeless, mm-hmm. with degrees. I, I've seen even before I came here. But uh, like Malik is saying, I think the time that we're living in now is the best time. Mm-hmm. We've never been a time like this to, to, to be financially independent. Mm-hmm. That's what we do here. We teach and train young people how to earn money, how to be a leader. This is like a leadership uh, institution that we leave in yes, sir. to take control of your thinking, 
masters. We won't teach a man how to control his thoughts. And, th and that's what's going on. We never did get that lesson. We always uh, be looking at what other people say about me and what they think. Even the Europeans and your own friends, mm -hmm. we're not in control of this yet. And that's why we suffer. Absolutely. We try to impress one another. The black man right now is in bad shape because he got to impress his friend. Look at me, what I got on. Then he got to impress the African-American woman. Mm -hmm. So he ain't too much he going to do because he's going to spend all his money up this weekend Absolutely. in clothes and food and rims of cars. You know, fool and his money will soon depart. Exactly. We are fool with money. Absolutely. Okay, and as far as reparations, now I'm like Raheem. For African American money, because when they look at reparations, all they're going to think is money. Money. So if you give, uh, think of that movie, Barbershop, um, Barbershop, they, the subject came up in reparation in that movie. Yep, and they did talk about it. If you give African American reparation money, all it's going to do is make Cadillac go to the top or Mercedes Benz go to the top. Mm -hmm. And actually, that would destroy reparation with money, mm -hmm. would destroy the African American community. Because one thing, if you give them the money and they go out and they're going to drink themselves to death, they're going to party themselves to death, and when that's over, what is it? They're going to spend all the money. Mm -hmm. So now, all of your, all your uh, courage or Inspiration has gone. You never get it again because you don't. You don't never see that you can get that money again. And and so that's reparation with actually with monetary value mm -hmm. kill the African American. And that's what I worry about. Um, like you said, with money, I, I I think first of all, I think that the politicians are just saying that. I don't yes. think they really believe in it. But when I think about, it, I'm like, I I don't even know what reparations will look like. And yeah. I definitely agree, no money. And will land be to uh, solve it or what? But then you would think some of them probably try to sell their land. Sell land. So, <laughs> exactly. so I just feel like we we yell reparations and the politicians say, yeah, we'll give you reparations and all this. But we don't actually know what is it that it will look like. What do we need? And another thing, if a man give you something, that's not dignity. Absolutely. Let's get our own, make your own reparations. Mm -hmm. Well, That's dignity. I want to tell you this right here. If you look at the three of us, you be looking at reparation. And I'm going to tell you why. We have our names back. Our last name and not the name of a slave master of the last plantation that we was on. Shaheed, Muhammad, Salim. We broke away from them. Our names are not names uh, of the last plantation that our ancestors were on. Our, mm -hmm. uh, our you know, previous slave family was on. Right? Mm -hmm. We have a different knowledge. Right? We have the knowledge of self. The knowledge to go out and do for self, right? So that's what that's what real reparation. You're gonna get that from the ones who passed you in slavery. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like what is this lack of, to a certain extent, dignity or lack of education of 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 our of our black ownership and the power that we really possess? Do you think that comes with with school or was it a generational thing that we just lost it or does it, do you think because in school they didn't my age our age they didn't really teach us a lot about our history. They, they taught us a little bit about Martin Luther King and, and Rosa Parks, but they, they never really got into the deep history. And, and of course, they taught us about uh, Harry Tubman, but they didn't really talk about Malcolm X or Madam C.J. Walker and people like that. They didn't really educate us on Black Wall Street, stuff like that. They, they basically taught us 
they, I guess they tried to keep it clean or whatever. They just taught us about the basics. Do you feel like school is part of that problem? Yes, because the textbooks that you that you study from the school is by your most by your parents. Mm -hmm. So to change that uh, paradigm, you would have to change the whole education system. I mean, the people who produce the books should be from us, not just from the Europeans. Mm -hmm. And then education would be education. Sure. But right now, what we're learning is what they gave us as education. That's why you don't learn about the Amirullah Muhammad, one of the greatest master of uh, businessmen in this country. Mm -hmm. But they'll teach you about other people. Absolutely, yes. and and they teach us about Christopher Columbus. Anybody, and I worry about as as time goes on. Well, our people eventually, since they're not teaching us and educating us, if we don't educate ourselves, it's like they'll our history will be wiped away. Like we won't remember it to a certain extent. Is that something you you gentlemen think that'll happen if, if we don't educate ourselves? Something like that'll happen? Sure, sure. But now, like I said earlier, we are people that cried out for a redeemer. It's like the Jews. Mm -hmm. Somebody had to come to them. Moses came to the Jews. Mm -hmm. So we had people already in our history that came to us to wake us up. So mm -hmm. there are, in every city, there are African-American men and women that wide awake now. They're not asleep. Mm -hmm. They got the knowledge of self and they kind. They, we know what we've been up on. Mm -hmm. Okay? And by being a mind, that's what we are. Black man is mind. We know certain thoughts we have to cancel out of our mind because we've been inferior mm -hmm. okay to the European man that's why he didn't put the history in the books when I was in school yeah I read the history books but I saw our people picking cotton where they're holding the umbrella over a European head mm -hmm. now I don't that's not gonna help me that's still keeping me as an inferior person with a low self-image see Wrong self-image. We don't love ourselves. That's why we hate one another. Quick to fight a black man still today. Kill that nigga. That's how we are. Absolutely. Like that when I was coming up. So mm -hmm. it takes time to get the poison out of the system. And the time now with the president in and all this stuff has come up. We already know about racism. I seen KKK when I was small. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. But I'm so thankful they didn't come in my neighborhood, my, my little area I was yes, living sir. in, because that was terrorizing a man. Yes, sir. Put faith in you. So the stuff that you see today is it? Of course, it's bad, but it's not to you. It's not as bad as back then when when the KKK would come in and kill you. Even though we are seeing, we see mass shootings, but you know, it's like not like the KKK is coming and you know out and killing people. Is it? Do you think it's a little bit better today, or how is it? How do you view it? I think it's I think it's a lot better today. For some reason, what you just referred to, right? They would they would hang an African American back then just in front of other African Americans, make an example out of them. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that going on now. You had a mass shooting, like you said, but you don't have it. I mean, it's, it's progress been made for, for for us, right? We just got to continue down that path. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, Mr. Ali, you actually had an opportunity. To work with Muhammad Ali, I saw what what was that experience like, and how was how was Muhammad Ali? Well, Ali was an extraordinary person. He was blessed from his parents and from his condition coming up. Uh, 
Ali was way ahead of the average person he was dealing with because he was in control of deaths. Mm -hmm. He was a mind. And I think the average person he dealt with. And he was blessed too that he knew that God was backing him. Mm -hmm. Okay? It's like when you look in the mirror, you see your face. But when you are conscious, you know that you got a energy that with you, a power that with you, that you wasn't with that power that controlled this whole universe. Ali yes, had that knowledge when he was young. Mm -hmm. Ali didn't know how to use his power of his mind, what he tell himself over and over, that made him manifest to become the champion. At one time, that just was an idea. Mm -hmm. But he used self-talk, affirmation every day. He wake up with it, go to bed with it. And that took on form and shape and he manifested. That's why he said he wasn't just talking about himself as the greatest, but he knew he had the greatest power with him when he was in that rank. Yes, so he he was he was on the plane of a servant, a high up servant that was connected to the creator. And that's what you gotta have right now in the 21st century. You can't do what we're doing if God not with this, it's not gonna happen. Absolutely. So your spiritual insight is power. The man who know God and know the, the works of the prophets and study and and, 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 and and put love out there for people and love people, then he goes up. He loved people. He was a man like Jesus, he was a man like Muhammad, man mm -hmm. like Noah. Okay? Because he loved people. So was was Ali for you gentlemen? Was he like the the athlete that African Americans idolized back then? Was it was it Ali or, or Jim Brown or Bill Russell? Who who was would you or was it all of them? That was like kind of like the pioneer that kind of helped to assist um, rally African Americans back then. Well, I think Ali, all all of the brothers like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Jamal Wilkes, all of these people. That I, I grew up looking up to. But then when I came to find out about more about Ali, is now we give a lot of people give Ali a lot of credit. But if it wasn't for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Nation Islam, Ali would only be Cassius Clay, a good boxer. What made Ali was the Nation Islam and Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But he gave him that name, Muhammad Ali. That's a, that was a, he's the most recognizable man on the planet Earth when he passed mm. because of that name Muhammad Ali. He's known all over the world, but without Muhammad, without that name Muhammad Ali, maybe people in America would have known him just as passion. Okay. So you got to give credit what credit do. It was a nation of Islam and honor like Muhammad was the Ali. And the backing that the nation of Islam gave him against the people who had boxing under control. Then you know they had boxing under control. That wouldn't allow uh, the champ, uh, champion, to do make the kind of moves that Muhammad Ali made. Right? Mm -hmm. He made those moves because the Nation of Islam was backing him. Right here, that unity of, behind the Nation of Islam, as the believe was saying. And uh, the other thing, Muhammad Ali made the made a serious sacrifice that he gave up boxing at the prime of his career. Right, see, that's that's a different that that that's a great sacrifice that he made, and still look how he got blessed in the end. Absolutely, yeah, one of the greatest so, fighters of all time. Okay. Yeah, one other thing you were saying, like uh, when you were speaking on racism, right? You have to understand uh, why do you think that racism just keep 
it go away sometimes and then it come back up. And I think the reason why is that the root of racism, we don't get to the root of racism. The root of racism is in religion. When you start seeing a white man as part of God, when you say Jesus is the son of God, you have that picture and that image of a white, man, a white man, right? Mm -hmm. right? Then you saying that this man is better than you, right? Mm -hmm. So he separates the human family. He's up here, right? And the rest of the human family is down here. So that's why we have racism. Mm -hmm. We don't continue. What, what, what is a guy racist? He thinks that his, his race is the best, right? Why do you think his race is the best? Because you have told him, and we and he have said that he is the son of God. So he's done a high plane. Mm -hmm. right? He's not down here with the rest of the human being. And then it seemed like that's, that's what we kind of like would talk. That's all we saw was just the, the white Jesus. And it's kind of how everything is portrayed to us. So I actually, <clears throat> excuse me, absolutely understand where you're coming from, from 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 that sense. So work on removing that image out of your mind and out of the out of the temple where you go, physical temple, and out of this temple right here, and but, come to the conclusion that God is one. Yes, sir. But do do you feel like to a certain extent that it's once once some people have their mind made up, it's like that's it. They don't. It's too late because some of them say once they have their mind made up, it's like there's no change in their mind. It's never too late. Once you know better, you do better. Uh, there was a great uh, Chinese saying that said, Break from what you think you know and you know more. Yes, sir. And, and the thing about it is that most of our, most of our, um, a lot of our families are, are Christians, so we're not talking against that. We're just saying that, hey, make it to be the best Christian. You have to be the best Christian. You said that you have to see God as one, even as a Christian, you know? Mm -hmm. I remember. Um, my, my parents, they grew up watching Good Times, and one of my favorite episodes was <clears throat> was the episode where um, J.J. painted the portrait of Black Jesus, yes. and they put the white Jesus up, and then they put the black Jesus up, and then all of a sudden, these miracles started performing, and, and they was making money, and good things were starting to happen to them. But Florida, at first, for a while, you know, she she wanted to take it back down, right, right. but James was like, no, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna leave it up love. there. And uh, that, that was actually one of my favorite. Yeah. yeah, it was. And, and, and speaking of James, it was also uh, Mr. John Amos. He was he was like a powerful figure, even for me. Um, there was good times before my before my era, my my time. But to see a strong black father figure like him, it was like he was just so dominant, and the, he was like something. Something was he kind of like back then as well, like the strong father figure in African American community for the people that didn't have a father. The way that he handled his himself. Um, and how he and how he um provided for his family. That was a great he was a great father figure. Because I remember him going to challenge the gang members who tried to recruit uh, because Michael or one of his sons Michael took the game. Mm -hmm. And he was powerful enough to go and challenge the gang members. Yes, sir. Yes. Right. Just to see that whole family. Yes. Um, the mother and the father and the children that together yes. was was a good thing for him. Yes, sir. Um I, I want to talk about Go back and talk a little bit more about athletes. Um, and one in particular, Miss Ali, we were talking about earlier. I have him on my shirt, Mister Colin Kaepernick, and how he uh, stood up and took a knee in protest for um, unarmed men of color taking uh being killed and victimized by by police officers. And um, I don't want. He, I'm not going to say he's Ali, but in a sense, is anything that Colin Kaepernick did relatable to what? Muhammad Ali did. Well, if you want to talk about or him, any athlete, but 
What's the basketball player from uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Rawi? Right. But you tell us something. Oh, you tell it. Okay. <laughs> right. But anyway, wasn't he one of the first ones that did that refused? Yes. yes. Uh, see, Mahmoud was one of the first ones that refused to uh, to, uh, to stand up for the uh, national anthem. Mm-hmm. So he was long before Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you had uh, you had the brothers in. Uh, Olympics, right? With fish, right? So Carlos, John Carlos. Yeah. So you, so you got, you got, you got. Actually, what he did was uh, picked up the the uh, the uh, situation from other people that was examples to him. Mm-hmm. And to see how he was actually uh, criticized because of how how he did it, and now unfortunately he's actually out of a job because of. What he did, which he, of course, we all know he's been blackballed because he could still play at a high level. And I'll even tell you the story. Um, back when Colin first took the knee, I was actually working at a radio station in Greenville and I was just a producer. So people would call in and it was a segment where they were talking about Kaepernick. And of course, some of the people, a lot of people that would call in was like, he just needs to shut up. He's making all this money and he just needs to play football. This stuff is not affecting him. And that's, of course, you know, it wasn't our people saying that, but and not saying that some all of our people agree with what he's done, but a lot of the people that are calling were just calling in were just saying Colin is ignorant. He doesn't understand what he's doing. He needs to shut up and just play football. Why why do you feel like for us when athletes take a stand for people um that look like them of their color that they're criticized like Colin Kaepernick? Well, it's it's still um goes back to the image that we have of ourselves and the image of Lord that you see every day. Mm-hmm. And they put themselves up as the Jesus, the Lord, mm-hmm. the judge, you see, over us. And they are not going to let us just come in and uh, take over what they produce, even though they brought us over here to be servants and slaves for them. So they condition their children that that's why we have a lot of hate and killing because you teach hate or you can teach love. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, my mama would have taught me hate, hate, hate and a person that just hate. She didn't teach us that. So you do, that planted in, that seed planted in a lot of people's mind. Now, not all European people taught hate. That's the problem we have. You have to condition your people. It's one family here. We all belong to the creator. Mm-hmm. I don't care what color. You got nothing to do with color. Um, your blood is the same thing as the European blood. Absolutely. It's just that being here in America, we the only people in in this world say white man. They don't say white man in Thailand. They don't say the white man when I was in Vietnam. They say the Western man, Caucasian man. Mm-hmm. Okay? European man. So that's why we condition. They know that white is right. And you got to, that's where it comes from. That's the biggest drug that's going on when you're sitting up into a church and looking at uh, Jesus with all his disciples, uh, European look. Mm-hmm. That make you feel inferior. You're not part of that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I thought I'd, like to, I'd like to make a comment on uh, Now, for me, when he did, a man has to be respected as a man. Mm-hmm. Now, this country say freedom of speech. So either you're going to be freedom of speech and be it all the way, or you're a hypocrite. Absolutely. And you say, okay, well, if he wanted to, that's his stand, 
then you should, the people should respect him at this thing. If he did not want to stand up, uh, kneel and stand up, still respect the man. But if he took a meal and say, look, I'm kneeling because of this, then respect the human mm -hmm. being for his intelligence. And as gentlemen that served and fought for our country, you didn't have an issue with, with Colin Kaepernick did. No, I don't have an issue with what mm -hmm. he did because he did it out of what he thought was right. Mm -hmm. And that's his free speech to do that. And you had a five-star general who said the same thing. He said he never thought he would do it, right? but he said that was his right. That know? was his right. And I believe it was, uh, I think it was Nate Boyer, the, um, the gentleman he asked when he was standing, uh, he talked him about it and he told Neil it would be as a, as a sign of respect. So that's when Colin Kaepernick went from sitting on the sidelines to actually taking Neil yeah, as a sign okay. of respect. And he, it was uh, Nate Boyer that he actually talked to about it. So that's when he began to take a knee. And still, people still criticized him, saying that he was disrespecting the flag. And and that was the issue. A lot of people were, were hijacking it. And and this is what it is for, the names on the shirt. But people were saying he's disrespecting the flag, but they weren't understanding the message behind why he did it. Now, Europeans, they'll burn the flag. Not just black people. Europeans are burning the flag. They burn the Quran, they burn the Bible, but that's their choice. Mm -hmm. They have a choice. If a man want to get out and burn the Quran, okay, you can't burn the word of God. You just bought a book and burned it. Burn some paper. Burn some paper <laughs> because it's not going anywhere. So right. just like the flag, don't get all upset because somebody burned the flag. But it's it's but not that important. Yeah, let's more, talk. more things that are important. Okay, let's let's just deal with the national anthem. The National Anthem is a song that was written by a vicious slave master. Mm -hmm. And if you ever want, want to read the, uh, the third uh, 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 verse of it. They went back and remodified. They went change. Right. And the, the, the original third verse of it, right. They don't even sing the third verse. Because mm -hmm. it talks about how you want to treat the slave. Mm -hmm. But people don't like to talk about they that They don't want to talk about that. Yeah. They don't want to talk about the truth. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Thank you for listening to part one of my interview with the owners of True Laundry Detergent. Stay tuned next week for part two. Peace.